So we're in week number five of this series that we've been doing called Shaped to Share. And uh, you've been here other weeks, you've heard this, but if not, I just want to say it again. The whole kind of idea of, of the series, the whole point of this conversation is to say that, that God has uniquely created, called, and commissioned each and every one of us to share our faith in a way that that is authentic to who God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to be. And, and so that's what this is all about. And, and we've been talking about different ways that, that we do this, uh, different expressions of, of this faith that we share. And the, the passage of Scripture that we've used as an anchor verse, 1 Corinthians 12, I want to read it again today. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So the whole point of, of this series is that God is at work in us and God is at work through us as well. And, and the good news about it is that, that when we're, we're sharing our faith, when we're practicing this, uh, we're not only sharing the good news of eternal life, in and through Jesus Christ, we're actually living into the abundant life that Christ offers us. And when we do this together with, with others that are part of the body of Christ, we're living into this vision that God is giving us, has given us of sharing life together in Christ. And the reason why that's true is because that's, that's how God has uniquely created and called us. That's what God's called us to do. That's, that's what God's commissioned us to do. And that's who God has called us to be. And so as part of the life that God gives us, it's, it's kind of like we've talked about uh, when we talk about generosity. It's not, it's not something that God wants from us. It's something that God wants for us. Because when we're doing that, we're experiencing the life that we're, we're talking about, that we're sharing with others. So, um, so I've shared with you about this as well. Uh, this book that I've been reading that's really, I've been learning a lot from, it's called Contagious Faith. And in it, the, the author Mark Middleberg talks about these five contagious faith styles. And I'm just going to read them again this week. They're friendship building, selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, and truth telling. And we've been talking about how when we're, we're learning about these, when we're practicing them in our lives, when we're sharing our faith in these different ways with other people, we can't help but but learn more about who, not only who we are, but about who God is. We can't help but grow in God's grace and become more like Christ because uh, the other thing that we've been talking about is that Jesus was all of those things and more. Jesus was a friendship builder, a selfless server, a story sharer, a reason giver, a truth teller. And so not only do we learn how that was central to Jesus' life and ministry, we learn how it can be central to our life and ministry as well as followers of Christ. And so that's kind of the journey that we've been on over the last few weeks. And here we are at week number five. We're going to be talking about the, the fourth contagious faith style today. And there's this verse that, that I've been reading every week at the very end of the message just to kind of drive this home. And, and I want to invite you today to read it with me because it's, it's the anchor verse for this week's Contagious Faith Style. So this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I, I want to invite you to read it with me today. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
So that's what today's lesson is about. Today's contagious faith style is reason giving. And, and to start, I've been asking a question just to kind of get us thinking about it a little bit. And so today, the question that I want to ask you is a little bit different than the other questions I've been asking. Today's is a little more serious, a little more heavy. Uh, but I want to ask you to consider this question today. What are the main reasons, since we're talking about reasons, what are the main reasons that people reject faith or, or maybe abandon faith? Think about that for just a minute. You know, there are a lot of reasons that people either don't come to faith in Christ or, or they walk away from their faith in Christ. And, and sometimes the reason for this is, is that we haven't modeled the faith that we profess, right? Sometimes people say, I don't have a problem with Christ as much as I have a problem with Christians. And so sometimes, you know, we, we get in the way sometimes, right? And then we just have to own that. And we're imperfect, right? Um, but sometimes I think uh, some of the obstacles, some of the barriers to faith is that we haven't done a good job uh, answering some of the questions of faith that people wrestle with. Uh, there's a whole generation of what people call nuns and duns. Have you ever heard this phrase? Uh, nuns and duns, people who are uh, don't want to have anything to do with faith or, or they were a part of a faith community and now they're done with it. Uh, maybe they haven't necessarily given up on Jesus, but but they've definitely given up on the church. And And I think this is at least partly because we really haven't given people a reason to believe in the faith that has given us a reason to live and to share life together. And now there are a whole lot of other reasons as well, right? But today, for just the few minutes that we have together, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how we can give people reasons for the faith that we believe in that might give them the reasons that they need to come to faith. I want to take just a few minutes to answer a few of those questions that that people have about faith in Christ. And, and obviously, I don't have time to tackle all of them today, um, but I wanted to lift up just a few of the common ones. There were a few that were in the book this week that, that they shared, and, and as I was reading these questions and thinking about them uh, and reflecting on how we might address these questions, they kind of fall into one, uh, one of two categories. So, so I want to explain and unpack some of these questions today. And in order for me to do that, uh, I'm going to have to use a couple of fancy words that I learned in seminary, okay? So, um, so I'm going to kind of take my glasses off and kind of point them at you in a professorly kind of way so that you can kind of understand uh, how important this is. Uh, these two words that I'm going to share with you today that represent these categories, I, I paid a lot of money for these words, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and I want to I wanna use I want to get my money's worth today, so I'm going to share them with you free of charge. Uh, these words are, well, I actually got to put my glasses back on to read them. Uh, the two words that I want to share with you today, the two fancy words are uh, theophany and theodicy. Now, if you've ever heard these words, here's what these fancy words mean. Now, theophany basically has to do with the manifestation of God, how God reveals God's self to us. And so sometimes people have questions around uh, theophany, around how God has revealed himself to us, right? And so some of those questions look a little bit like this. Well, uh, how can I believe in a God that I can't see or smell or touch or feel, right? Um, why does Jesus, Jesus who is the revelation of God, right, the Word made flesh, why, why does Jesus have to be God? Why can't he just be a, a prophet or a, or a nice teacher, right? And then the last one that I wanted to share has to do with how God has revealed himself to us through his Word, the Bible, right? Sometimes people wrestle with that. Why does the Bible have so many inconsistencies or so many uh, seemingly contradiction. So that's theophany. The other fancy word is 
theodicy. And theodicy has to do with um, things surrounding the goodness of God. And, and so sometimes people have questions like this. Why, why would God create a world where evil is present? Or why would God allow suffering in the world? And then connected to that one, why would God send people to a place of eternal suffering, right? What my son calls H-E double hockey stick, right? Um, those are questions that we wrestle with, and those have to do with theodicy. They have to do with, uh, you know, the first one is, you know, does God exist, and, and how can we know that? And then is God good, and how can we trust God? Um, so for me, I think, and again, this is not a full list, but these are some of the big questions that, that we wrestle with sometimes, Right? And, and, and so this morning, I thought I would take just a few minutes and share some really uh, quick and probably oversimplified answers to those questions, right? I don't have time to answer all the questions, and they're really difficult and complex questions, and I know that. And so we're not going to get through all of them today, but, but I wanted to just at least start the conversation. And if you want to talk more about it, I can, I can share more with you, or I can give you some really good resources to kind of dig into these a little bit deeper. Um. But here are some of the reasons that I would give to someone asking those questions. So how can we believe in a God that we can't see or hear or touch? For me, the reason would be uh, we believe in things all the time that we can't see or hear or touch, right? We, we can't see oxygen, for example. We can't hear love. We can't touch justice. Everything in life, when it, you really think about it, it requires a little faith to believe in, right? And so our faith is being confident of things that we cannot see. Uh, so that would be a reason that I would give to somebody. The other one is, how can we trust the Bible with all of its apparent inconsistencies and contradictions? Well, uh, the reason that I would give to that, for example, would be in spite of the fact that the Bible has multiple authors from multiple eras in history, and it, it consists of multiple genres uh, of writing, there is incredible consistency and incredible reliability based on eyewitness reports and confirmation from, from uh, non-biblical sources uh, from almost every time period that the Bible was put together in. Um, and I could go on and on, but that's kind of just the simple one, right? The simple, the simple reason that I would give. And then finally, how can Jesus be God and not just a good prophet or, or a good teacher? Well, the reason I would give for that is there are literally hundreds of Old Testament prophecies and New Testament proclamations that say otherwise, that say that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. So those are theophany questions. The theodicy questions are a little a little more difficult, they're a little more delicate and complex, and they require a lot of compassion and a lot of humility, too, to say sometimes we don't know all the answers, right? Um, but the reasons that I would give, the things that I have learned that have helped me with the, wrestle with these questions, for example, would be something like this. Why does God allow pain and suffering and evil in this life, and why does God, would God send people to an eternal suffering in the next life? Well, the really short answer to all these questions that I would share would be this. God's creation allows for a world where pain and suffering is possible because God has given us the gift of free will. And, and many of those things come from decisions that are made uh, because of that free will. But, but here's the good news. God's new creation is a world 
where evil has passed away. It's a world without sickness and pain and suffering. Um, one of the liturgies that we used to say when I was little is that it's a world without end. Amen. Or I think that's a country song too, right? Um, and as far as God sending people to hell, I do believe that it exists, but I don't believe that God sends anyone to hell. What I believe is that God sent his son to die for our sins and open the gates of heaven wide to everyone who would receive him through his son, Jesus Christ. But salvation is a gift that we must receive, just like free will, the choice is ours. In fact, one of my favorite Christian apologists, C.S. Lewis, said something like this. He says, heaven is the place for people who say to God, thy will be done. And hell is the place for people to whom God says, thy will be done. Again, not all the answers, not the whole conversation, but those are just a few reasons that I would share with people if we were having a conversation about wrestling with those things. And so I, I wanted to share that, that little part with you today. Those questions and those responses. Uh, first and foremost, maybe to help you feel like maybe you were a little more prepared to at least start the conversation or if someone asked you a question, what you might say. But even beyond that, there's another reason why I wanted to share those questions with you today. And this was a little more of a sneaky reason, so I'll just go ahead and admit it to you. But the reason why I wanted to share some of those reasons with you, why I wanted to lay out some of those arguments with you, A, B, and C like that, is because I wanted to watch and see how you responded to it. I wanted to watch and see who, whose ears perked up, who leaned in a little bit uh, to the discussion. Because I know... Some of you, when you hear those questions, you got really stressed out thinking about all the scenarios where you might be put in a similar conversation where you might have to have that conversation, right? For some of y'all, that was really stressful to think about having that conversation, right? Would you be honest, some, some of us, right? But there are some of you here today who kind of leaned forward and thought about, man, that's, that's kind of where I am. I love thinking about stuff like that. I, I love, uh, you know, question and answer and those kind of conversations. There, there are some of you that love to wrestle with those questions. You love to have those kind of conversations. Maybe you stay up late uh, studying your Bible or, or reading the latest book on apologetics. Uh, and maybe you seek out places and people where those questions might come up in conversation. And the reason why you do that is because that's your, your sweet spot, right? That's where you thrive. And do you know why? Because that's how God has uniquely created and called and commissioned you to share your faith with others. Your contagious faith style is reason giving. And all I have to say about that is thanks be to God for you because that's not all of us, right? I'll be honest with you. That's, that's not, that's not my, my natural Share, faith sharing style. Um, now that doesn't mean I'm off the hook, right? That doesn't mean that uh, I'm not supposed to engage people in conversations and, and answer, try to answer those questions when, when those conversations come up, when those opportunities arise. Uh, 
But what it means is, is, is that I probably have to work a lot harder at it uh, because that's not my natural go-to. And, and I'll probably, and when I get stuck, you're probably the person that I'm going to call and come and ask for help. Or uh, you might be the person that I would introduce my new friend to because friendship building is mine. So I might say, okay, you got some tough questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to my friend. He knows a lot about that. Or she could really give you some great thoughts about that. And, it, and the point of it is that it's, all, it's about all of us together as the body of Christ. And, and there are some of you here today that have been uniquely created and called and commissioned to, to live into this idea of, of reason giving. And, and believe it or not, uh, there's a pattern in the Bible that, that I want to share with you today that, that I think will help us see more clearly how, how this particular faith style was central to Jesus' life and ministry. And unlike the other ones that we've been looking at, there's not a particular story that I want to lift up so much as a, a pattern of, of how Jesus operated in his life and ministry. But I think there's a, there's a passage of scripture that sums this up uh, better than any of the others. Jesus was questioned about his claims, the things that he was saying and, and doing by the Pharisees. And here's what he said. He said, do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in him. Now see, Jesus was essentially saying that, that his words were backed up with facts that proved to be evidence to support the claims that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's important because... Because just like there are people that, that we've been wired that way, right, to share it, there are people that are wired that way to receive it. And so those people need the people that, that think in that way to be able to connect with them on that level and to share in that way. One, one of the great examples of this in the Bible was one of Jesus' disciples named Thomas. You remember Thomas? He, he's, he's, come, he's come to be known as Doubting Thomas. But I think Thomas was probably one of those that, he, he, he wanted it to make sense, right? He wanted to reason. And so he needed facts to inform his faith. And so, so Jesus meets him in that place and invites him to, to literally examine the evidence, right? Do you remember that exchange? Matt, uh, John chapter 20, Thomas said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and I put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Some folks need the, you know, what, what the old TV show said, right? Just the facts, right? There are probably some of you here today that, that, that that's how you're wired. Um, one of the phrases in the book this week that I thought was interesting, that it said facts don't care about our feelings, <laughs> which, is, which is sort of, you know, not exactly how I'm wired. I'm a feeler. I like feelings, right? And so things that I've said past weeks, like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, or, or beyond our faith making sense, our faith needs to make a difference, right? Some of you probably really resonated with those phrases, and some of y'all are probably like, yeah, but, but, but I do care what you know. <laughs> the, you know, the facts are important. Uh, I do want my faith to make sense. And the beautiful thing is, it's all of those and more, right? Our faith engages our every part of who we are, our brains and our hearts, our hands and our feet. Those of you all that, that have this particular contagious faith style, the world needs you 
to share that gift with them by sharing those things, by giving them reasons. So, so just like last week, I want to leave you with just some things to explore about how reason giving might impact your life and ministry, how you might incorporate them into your own relationships with God and others, and how you might engage people who are like you, who are looking for a reason to believe. So number one was this, study your Bible regularly. Familiarize yourself with questions and concerns. The, the book talks about playing offense and playing defense. He says offense is, is offering evidence to people to, to support your faith, and defense is being, being ready to, to kind of field those questions that people have about faith and, and, um, and responding. Um, but it, that brings me to the second one, and this one is really important. It says, do this with gentleness and respect. This is where we miss the mark sometimes, I think, right? Do this with gentleness and respect. That's actually the, the, the next verse in 1 Peter. It says, but do so with gentleness and respect. See, see, the thing we need to remember is you can be right and still be wrong unless your response is, is, is shared with humility. Um, that humility that comes from from really listening and asking good questions and truly valuing the other person that's asking the question or is wrestling with faith. One of my favorite theologians, probably the most intelligent person I've ever uh, had the privilege of hearing speak is a, um, a theologian, author, a pastor named N.T. Wright. And he has this great question that he asks people um, when they're having conversations and, and they say they don't believe in God. He, he simply says this. He says, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. Maybe I don't believe in him either. And then he listens. And he hears what, what he says are common misconceptions about who God is and what a relationship with God looks like. And then, after he's listened, after he's valued their perspective, he says more often than not, he's given permission, even invited to share his perspective on who God is. The doors fling wide open for him to share about his faith in Christ with the person that he's having that conversation with. And that brings me to the last one. The last one is the very end of that passage. It's ending with, for the hope that you have. This is the final challenge, the final encouragement I want to share with you for this week's lesson. Let us never forget that our purpose is to win people, not points. Does that make sense? It's not about points. It's about people. The only point is to point people to Jesus. Amen? So our goal is not to win arguments. Our goal is to win people with the gospel. It's, it's great to have healthy conversation and debate. It's great to talk about even some of the finer points of, of life and faith. And it's great that there are people who, who enjoy engaging difficult questions and difficult people and, and providing answers. But what we all need to remember is that good answers when it comes to faith always point people to the good news. People need a reason to believe. And so the point is not for people to believe you, it's for people to believe in Jesus. And so 
Let us always remember that when we're giving reason for the hope that we have. I want to close with a a similar question to the one we started with today, and that's this. Who's someone in your life right now who needs a reason to put their faith in Christ? And I wonder this morning if you would be willing to pray with me for an opportunity to engage in conversation with gentleness and respect, with humility, to ask good questions, to listen deeply so that we might have an opportunity, we might be invited to share the good news of God's grace that's made a difference in our life. Not to sell them anything, not to win an argument, but but to win them over with the free gift of salvation. For the God who in and through Jesus Christ, through his life, his death, his resurrection, has given us the ultimate reason to live, both now and forever. I mean, if you really think about it, what more reason do I need to give you? It's that reason that we come to the table of Holy Communion to receive the grace of God so that we might be reminded of who we are and whose we are so that we might go and share that with others. So I want to invite you uh, to join me now as we come to the table. I always want to remind us that this is, uh, it's not my table, it's not a fellowship table, it's not a United Methodist table, it is Christ's table. And all who earnestly repent of their sin and who seek to live in peace with God and one another are invited to come and be guests of Christ our Lord and Savior and feast at his table. So I want to invite you as we prepare our hearts and minds to do this together, uh, to pray silently and confess our sin to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we come before you today and we do confess both as individuals and as a community that we have fallen short of your glory. We've not done your will. We've broken your law. We've not heard the cry of the needy. We've failed to be an obedient church. We've done things we wish we hadn't and not done things we wish we had. And so God, we openly and honestly and fully give ourselves to you now. We confess our sin and we thank you for your grace that meets us right there and loves us unconditionally. We thank you for the word made flesh. We thank you for your word that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you for that proof of your love, God. We thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We give you thanks and praise and glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To remind us of this, to show us this, to demonstrate this to us. When Jesus was gathered with his disciples uh, the night before he gave himself up for us, He took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat this. This is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And after the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so today, by faith, we become participants in this holy meal. We become recipients of God's amazing grace. And so, again, as we continue to prepare our hearts, I want to invite you to to read with me uh, our affirmation of faith, which is the Apostles' Creed. It's going to be on the screen. Let's, Let's profess this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit now on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. As one voice, as one body today, we join our voices together and pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You're going to be invited to come. I want to go ahead and invite our folks that are serving to come forward today. Um, You'll have some different opportunities to receive Holy Communion this morning. We'll have two stations here uh, where you'll come forward and you can take a piece of bread that will be given to you. And then you'll be able to take a, a cup of juice from the tray. Uh, if you would, please come uh, down the center aisles and then return up the side aisles. There, the ushers won't direct you or anything. You can just come whenever you feel led. But if you will come that way, I think that'll um, give us some, some flow there and we won't have any bottlenecks. So um, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable coming and receiving the elements, we still have them in the kits that are on both sides of the the gym this morning. And then there are also gluten-free ones uh, over there as well. So uh, you'll be invited to come uh, to one of these stations or go to one of those stations and and receive it there. When you come forward today, you're going to hear these words. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Hope that you'll receive that today. And then also the altars will be open. If you'd like to, after you receive Holy Communion, you can come and pray. You can stay as long as you like. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd be glad to pray with you. Uh, So for these next few minutes, as our service comes to a close, 
uh, I just want to invite you to respond in, in whatever way that God is calling you uh, to respond today. So let's stand as we sing. And then you're invited to come. Thank you.